This is a conspiracy channel. Tape 1. Welcome to the Hush Channel. At 6.55 p.m. July 30th of 2008, Greyhound Bus 1170 departed Erickson, Manitoba, Canada, and a tall, baldly shaved headed man sporting sunglasses appearing to be in his 40s on board it. This mysterious figure initially sat near the front of the bus, but after the bus braked at a rest stop, relocated one row before the bus's toilet area. There, where Timothy McLean Jr. sat alone in the window seat. As fate would have it, this one stop forever intertwined the fate of 22-year-old Timothy McLean and 40-year-old Vincent Lee. Vincent Wigwong Lee, born in the Dangdang Prefecture of the Laodong Province in the northeastern region of the People's Republic of China, the largest Chinese border city facing Senju, North Korea, was born April 30th of 1968 and graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology with his bachelor's in computing in 1992 at just 24 years old. For four years, from 1994 to 1998, Vincent worked in Beijing as a computer software engineer before finally emigrating to Canada in June of 2001, gaining his official Canadian citizenship November 7th of 2006. In the midst of these years, everything had not been so delightful. Around 2003 and 2004, Vincent was hospitalized after an incident involving the Ontario Provincial Police and this resulted to mental health issues that prompted him into obtaining a psychiatrist. From what is gathered, Vincent was struggling with schizophrenia. In the meantime, Vincent had gotten married to a woman named Anna and worked in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, taking many jobs at Grant Memorial Church for six months. His employer there noted that he seemed happy to just have a job. No matter how small it was, he would always seek to do his job as best as he could despite the language barrier between he and other congregation members, which would seemingly frustrate him. However, it did help that the staff was very patient and understanding, and so they handled the language barrier with care. In 2005, Vincent would quit working at Grant Memorial and began work as a forklift operator in Winnipeg, while his wife Anna worked as a waitress. In 2006, Vincent relocated to Edmonton, leaving his wife Anna behind in Winnipeg until they would be able to afford her joining him in Edmonton at a later time. He worked at an array of jobs, including Walmart, McDonald's, and delivering newspapers. All this to make ends meet, his transition from China to Canada was not easy in the least, yet his bosses always viewed him as a very hard, diligent, and responsible worker. The only exception was the one time he was fired from Walmart following a disagreement with other employees for matters undisclosed. It was presumed Vincent was just exhausted and overworked. Just before getting fired, he had surprisingly asked for time off from his newspaper delivery job so he could go to Winnipeg for a job interview. Otherwise, Vincent was an upright guy just trying to make a way in life in Canada, a model citizen some would say. At 12.05 p.m. July 28, 2008 in Edmonton, Canada, Vincent boarded a Greyhound bus bound for Winnipeg. On July 29, around 6 p.m., he got off in Erickson, Manitoba with three pieces of luggage and stayed overnight on a bench next to a grocery store. He was restless and did not sleep one bit. His eyes literally appeared to be super glued open the entirety of the night. On July 30th, still at the bench, Vincent sold his new laptop to a 15-year-old boy for just $60. It is possible Vincent was depressed, regretting moving to Canada and resorting to working many jobs after attaining his bachelor's and working as a computer software engineer back in China. So far, life had been a struggle. 
and several steps downward in comparison to life in China. And he was overworked and feeling like he had failed in life and as a husband, dishonorable. It is possible that this depression led Vincent into being exhausted and resorted in him even contemplating suicide, explaining his decision to randomly sell his brand new laptop. At 6.55 p.m. July 30th of 2008, bus 1170 departed Erickson, Manitoba, Canada with a new passenger, Vincent Lee. He initially sat near the front of the bus, but after the bus braked at a rest stop, he relocated just one row before the bus's toilet area where Timothy McLean Jr. sat in the window seat alone. As fate would have it, this one stop would forever intertwine the fate of Timothy McLean and Vincent Lee. Timothy Richard McLean Jr. was born October 3rd of 1985 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, the capital and largest city of Manitoba, centered at the joining of the Red and Assiniboine Rivers, a city that is in fact named after Lake Winnipeg, whose name derives from the Western Cree indigenous word for muddy water. Timothy would grow up in both Winnipeg and in the LE District, which is approximately 19 miles west of Winnipeg. At 22 years old, Tim worked as a carnival bar in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, working to advertise and encourage pedestrians to buy carnival tickets by detailing the highlights of the show. It was a magical time mixed with a laborious time, as his girlfriend was at that time four months pregnant. That July 30th of 2008, Timothy was returning home to Winnipeg after working a fair in Edmonton. He boarded Greyhound Bus 1170 via the Yellowhead Highway through Saskatchewan, seating himself at the rear of the bus, just one row before the toilet area, alone. But after a rest stop, that would change and so with the rest of his life. Timothy was tired and so while noticing he now had company in his seat and row, he did not exactly spark up a conversation with his new neighbor. He simply fell asleep, leaning against the window pane, placing his headphones on and covering his ears, anticipating going home where he could rest in real leisure. Nonetheless, at that moment, the bus did the job and Timothy began to drift off into a slumber as the minutes and the road progressed ahead. Suddenly, Vincent felt a sharp piercing burning pressure in his neck as if lightning had struck him. He sprang forward, eyes bulging open, vision blurred, and voluntarily hollering out in a way that the other passengers would never forget. He would holler until he was physically unable to, attempting to grasp for air. His brain went into shock and so did the rest of his body from the sudden pain, and his hands gaped at his neck, which instantly became coated with a wet substance that seemed to have no end. It was blood. Before Timothy could even think and barely blink, the sensation struck him again, this time in his chest. He grabbed at his chest and multiple loud shrieks and gasps filled the ear. Loud screams that became soon muffled after just a few seconds as Timothy was now in and out of consciousness. He was struck again and again and again. His body swung like a rag doll, flinging to the side as the bus swerved roughly, his orifices leaking profusely. Timothy could make out a man rapidly yelling and lunging at the other passengers until they all ran in the opposite direction of him, scared for their lives, dispersing until they were no longer within his visual parameter. There were too many things occurring all at once for Timothy to grasp. He could feel himself fading, weakening with every millisecond until everything just went numb. Everything went black. Permanently, he was being attacked. He was being eaten. 
According to witnesses, McLean was sleeping with his headphones on when the man seated next to him suddenly produced a large knife and began stabbing him in the neck and chest with a blanket expression, robotic even. After the attack began, the bus driver pulled to the side of the road and he and all the other passengers fled the vehicle. The driver and two other men made an attempt to rescue Timothy but were chased away by Vincent who slashed at them from behind the locked bus doors. Vincent Lee ultimately decapitated McLean and displayed his severed head to those standing outside the bus, then returned to McLean's body and began severing other parts and consuming some of McLean's flesh. Vincent had stabbed Timothy McLean Jr. a total of nearly 60 times. McLean did not survive the attack. At 8.30 p.m., the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, and Portage La Prairie received a report of a stabbing on a Greyhound bus west of the city. They arrived to find Vincent still on board the bus, being prevented from escaping by another passenger, the bus driver, and a truck driver who had provided a crowbar and a hammer as weapons. The other passengers were huddled at the roadside, some of them crying and even vomiting. As Vincent had earlier attempted to escape by driving the bus away, the driver had engaged the emergency immobilizer system, rendering the vehicle inoperable. Witnesses had observed Vincent stabbing and cutting Timothy McLean's body with a knife and carrying Timothy's severed head. By 9 o'clock p.m., police were in a standoff with Vincent and had summoned special negotiators and a heavily armed tactical unit. Vincent Lee alternately paced the length of the bus and defiled the corpse. Police officers then observed Vincent eating parts of Timothy's body. Meanwhile, the stranded passengers were transported from the scene to be interviewed at the Brandon RCMP detachment. RCMP officers reportedly heard Vincent say that he had to stay on the bus forever. On July 31st of 2008 at 1.30 a.m., Vincent Lee attempted to escape the bus by breaking through a window. The RCMP arrested Lee soon afterwards. He was shot with a taser twice, handcuffed, and placed in the back of a police cruiser. Parts of Timothy's body, placed in plastic bags, were retrieved from the bus, while his ear, nose, and tongue were found in Vincent's pockets. Timothy's eyes and a part of his heart was never recovered and are presumed to have been eaten by Vincent Lee. Vincent's trial commenced on March 3rd of 2009, with Vincent pleading not criminally responsible on account of mental disorder. This means he accepted that the offense occurred by claiming that he was unable to form the necessary mental element or mens rea. The psychiatrist stated that Vincent performed the attack because he was hearing voices. He believed were from God, telling him to destroy the demon sitting beside him or else he himself would be killed. The presiding judge, John Scurfield, accepted this diagnosis and ruled that Vincent was not criminally responsible for the killing of Timothy McLean Jr. Vincent Lee was remanded to the Selkirk Mental Health Center. On May 17th of 2012, the National Post reported that Vincent had been granted temporary passes that would allow him outside of the Selkirk Mental Health Center for visits to the town of Selkirk, supervised by a nurse and peace officer. In an interview, Lee spoke for the first time saying that he began hearing the voice of God in 2004 and that he wanted to save the people from an alien attack. In one account, it was noted that Vincent actually believed that he needed to kill Timothy in order to protect the other passengers from Timothy, whom Vincent believed was an actual alien. And later, Vincent recounted feeling as though he himself was like the second coming of Christ. 
On July 17, 2014, the Toronto Sun reported that one of the first officers on the scene, Corporal Ken Barker of the RCMP, had committed suicide. The family stated in his obituary that he had post-traumatic stress disorder from the incident. In February of 2016, it was reported that Vincent had legally changed his name to Will Lee Baker and was seeking to leave his group home to live independently. He won this right to live alone on February 26th of that same year upon the recommendation of the Criminal Code Review Board. On February 10th of 2017, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board ordered Lee to be discharged. Lee was granted an absolute discharge. There would be no legal obligations nor restrictions pertaining to Vincent's independent living. The community, family, and witnesses of this horrible crime were of course not happy with this decision. Vincent Lee is last reported to be living in a Manitoba community. One of the passengers, who as a result suffered from PTSD, gave birth years later after the bus attack and had her newborn apprehended by social workers because they were concerned about her illness and the PTSD stemming from the attack. They were concerned that it made her unfit to care for her own daughter. Her baby was in a foster home for the first 18 months of her life. She was returned to her mother and grandmother afterwards. This woman still has issues and nightmares using public transit and trusting people in general, especially strangers, of whom are everywhere and unavoidable. She does not know if she will ever recover from what she witnessed that day at the end of July 2008. Many of the passengers were subjected to PTSD, including the truck driver who stopped by to help upon seeing the passengers on the side of the highway. A lot of the passengers were even prompted into horrible addictions to help numb and suppress their memory and its after effects. Meanwhile, some have even developed a certain sympathy for Vincent Lee himself in order to cope with their demons. As for the 15-year-old boy who purchased Vincent Lee's laptop for just $60, the laptop was confiscated, with the boy stating that Vincent had no emotion to him, that he did not seem like he was a very nasty guy, he just seemed calm and normal. On December 21st, 2008, just five months after Timothy McLean Jr.'s murder, his son was born. End of tape one.